0: Hello and welcome to the J.S. Bach Files, episode 42. I'm Terrence O'Grady and today we're going to talk about a pair of Bach's cantatas for solo soprano. We discussed one Sacred Soul cantata, BWV 51, earlier in episode 3, and the Wedding cantata, BWV 202, in episode 21. The two we're going to talk about today are both sacred, the first one composed when Bach was working in Weimar. Its title is Mein Herz schwimmt im Blut, My Heart Swims in Blood. Later versions of this cantata exist, including one in a different key later performed in Leipzig, but it's the original version in C minor that we're going to consider. Bach had earlier, in 1714, made a conscious and very specific career choice by requesting that his official position as a musician in the Weimar court be modified to now include the title of concertmaster as well as court organist. Although this did in fact involve some duties associated with the performance of instrumental music by the court orchestra, it also put Bach on equal footing with the vicekapellmeister in terms of providing new music for the palace church, the Himmelsberg, often referenced in English as the Castle of Heaven, once a month. But BWV 199 may have been composed even before his new duties obligated him to produce one cantata per month, according to Christoph Wolff, so the precise circumstances for which this work was written are uncertain. The fact that it is composed for a soloist was not as has been suggested in the case of some solo cantatas written in Bach's Leipzig years, due to the pressure of producing music for multiple churches every week. It's more likely that this work was composed specifically as a vehicle for one of the professional singers associated with the court, or perhaps a visiting artist who would have been familiar with the operatic style of the day. It's an ambitious work with eight movements, including recitatives and arioso passages alternating with arias, with one movement, number six, quoting the chorale "Volso ich fliehen in? the text by Johann Hermann, and melody by Caspar von Stieler. The librettist for all other movements is Georg Christian Lems, a pietist-leaning poet and librarian at the court of Darmstadt, whose opening imagery is even more lurid than usual here. John Eliot Gardner makes the point that the underlying theology for many of these texts is at times unappetizing, but Bach did not apparently shrink from the sort of libretto that a modern listener would almost certainly think of as morbidly excessive, and provides what Gartner aptly describes as a portrayal of the complex, psychological, and emotional transformation of the conscience-struck individual. By the way, in regard to the text, I am relying heavily once again on the translations by Francis Brown found on the extremely useful BachCantatas.com website. The text is, My heart swims in blood because the brood of my sins in God's holy eyes makes me into a monster. Not surprisingly, Bach's opening recitative in C minor and common time, accompanied by strings and continuo, employs tension-inducing devices almost immediately. The melody begins by leaping a fifth to a note dissonant against the sustained tonic C in the continuo accompaniment. And though the setting of the text is mostly syllabic, some words are set with brief melismas, for example, the reference to God's eyes and the word for monster, for which the melody leaps up a sixth to a dissonance. Here are the first four bars covering the first two lines of text. As is typical for Bach's more dramatic recitatives, the tonality is fluid. Bach leans initially in the direction of G minor, but later A flat major, briefly, and B flat minor, as the text continues. And my conscience feels pain because my sins are nothing but hell's hangman, detested knight of vice. The rhythmic activity ebbs and flows somewhat, as is typical with Bach pausing on, or putting harmonic emphasis on, key words, such as the diminished seventh chord accompanying the word pain, which is also the highest note in the phrase. At times the melodic activity increases with the level of agitation expressed, as when Bach sets the words, You, you alone, have brought me into such distress, and you, you evil seed of Adam, rob my soul of all inner peace, and shut it off from heaven. The level of activity actually slows somewhat for the last section of text, although the most emotionally potent words are still singled out for special harmonic treatment. Ah, unheard of pain! My withered heart will in future be moistened by no comfort, and I must conceal myself from him before whom the angels themselves conceal their faces. But on the whole, the final part of the recitative is marked more by a sense of resigned pathos than dramatic intensity. The aria which follows, still in C minor and common time, has as its text, Silent sighs, quiet moans, you may tell of my pains, since my mouth is closed. And you, wet springs of tears, can offer certain witness of how my sinful heart has repented. It begins with a rather distinctive and busy opening ritornello featuring the oboe. Here's a simplified version of the first three and a half measures. The first measure exploits repeated long, short, short rhythmic patterns, here an eighth note followed by two sixteenths, as well as a distinctive melodic profile, a large ascending leap immediately followed by stepwise descending motion. The pattern introduced in the second measure, which ends up being even more important as the movement unfolds, reverses the rhythmic pattern to two shorts and a long, two sixteenths followed by an eighth in a motivic figure that repeats twice, each time a step higher. The last four bars of the opening ritonello play off these ideas while introducing a new, sequentially repeated idea, beginning again with a large ascending leap. The soprano enters with a single line, silent sighs, quiet moans, accompanied only by continual. While the melody doesn't directly imitate the oboe's ritonello melody, it makes use of some of the same motivic ideas, varying and extending them, particularly large ascending leaps followed by falling half-steps. The oboe interrupts in the second measure with a reference to the ritonello melody, specifically the third bar. The soprano then restarts her melodic statement, varying some of the same motives and introducing a pair of long melismas on the phrase, My mouth is closed. Against the soprano's line, the oboe continues with an elegant countermelody based on motives from the ritonello. After the soprano's opening statement comes to a close on a solid C minor cadence, a close variant of the ritonello then returns, Bringing the first section of the De Capo aria to a close, here's an excerpt from the soprano's entrance to the conclusion of her first statement. <laughs>
1: Stille klagen, stumme Söhne, stille klagen. Ihr rückt meine Schmerzen.
0: Since the text remains fixated on the sinner's repentant heart, and you wet springs of tears can offer certain witness of how my sinful heart has repented, the middle section of the aria doesn't provide a great deal of contrast, although we immediately begin to move from C minor to B flat minor, and we encounter a number of lush dissonances in the process. The oboe continues to provide an expressive counter-melody, frequently drawing on motives from the ritonello. The second part of the middle section, which repeats the same text, begins in E-flat major, but sequential activity soon drives the key toward G minor, which, although briefly undermined by further sequential patterns, holds sway through to the end of the section. Melodically, the soprano's line climaxes over a full-diminished 7th chord, on one of the several repetitions of the word repented, before assuming a more modest level of activity, while the attention shifts to the oboe and its expansive counter melody, which is drawn once again from the ritornello theme. Here is the middle section. <laughs> next is a little unusual before returning to repeat the first section of the aria bach interpolates a short recitative passage with the text my heart is now a well of tears my eyes hot springs ah god who then will give you satisfaction while there is clearly no real change in tone here bach apparently felt that these final two lines of the text were sufficiently self-contained that it would have been ineffective to simply tack them on to the middle section of the aria. This brief recitative section also allowed him space to move away from the firm G minor tonality in which the middle section concludes to a preparation for the return of C minor necessary for a repeat of the first section. Here is the brief recitative, which actually begins in E-flat major, but begins to shift chromatically away from that key already by the second measure to end on a G major chord which is heard as the dominant of C minor when the first section repeats. The recitative that follows has as its text, But God must be gracious to me, because I wash my head with ashes, my face with tears. I beat my heart in remorse and sorrow, and full of grief say, God, be gracious to me, a sinner. Ah, yes, his heart breaks, and my soul says, which leads directly into the aria which follows. Although still primarily concerned with expressing the singer's guilt and remorse, The opening line of text, which refers to God's graciousness, begins in B-flat major and is, temporarily, devoid of expressive chromaticism or dissonance. But we tilt back to C minor by means of an unexpected, full-diminished seventh chord, with the mention of washing my head with ashes. Still, on the whole, this recitative, though still somber for the most part, is less agitated than the first and concludes with a gentle cadence on B-flat major. The text for the aria that follows continues along the same lines, but again shows the hopefulness that comes with God's forgiveness and grace. Deeply bowed and full of remorse, I lie, dearest God, before you. I acknowledge my guilt, but still have patience, still have patience with me. Bach's setting of the text is in the form of what Julian Mincham refers to as a civilized and refined minuet in E flat major and three four time and marked Andante. It begins with a long, and given the expressions of musical anguish we've encountered to this point, surprisingly restrained, almost sedate, and certainly very elegant ritonello. <laughs> When the soprano enters, she does so with a melody that takes its basic shape from the ritonello, but simplifies it considerably, reducing it in many cases to slower moving note values. Like the ritonello melody, it frequently ties notes from beat three of a measure across the bar to beat one of the next measure, thereby avoiding phrases that seem too square rhythmically and also providing for some dissonant suspensions. But there are remarkably few other musical expressions of sorrow. What little chromaticism there is, is generally devoted to setting up tonicizations, that is, suggesting momentarily that a new tonal center is being established. There are deceptive cadences as well, as Bach sidesteps an expected resolution of a dominant sounding chord. On the whole, There are few clearly effective gestures compared to the first aria, but one does stand out, the long melisma twice provided for the word "roy" or remorse. Here's an excerpt beginning with the soprano's entrance and extending to the second expressive melisma on the word remorse. As you might have noticed, the orchestral accompaniment is often based on motives from the ritonello as well, and there are brief interruptions of the soprano's line where the head motive from the ritonello repeats. A quite lengthy ritonello also closes out the first section of the aria, almost gallant-sounding with its double trills, but the suspensions I referred to earlier maintain a tone of earnestness throughout. The middle section, with the text I acknowledge my guilt, but still have patience, still have patience with me, is understandably a little more somber, moving fairly quickly to C minor and thereafter to G minor, and seeming more hesitant, sounding not altogether confident that God will in fact have patience on the sinner. The middle section comes in two parts. Here's some of the first, which closes in G minor. After another 16 measure rittonello, The second part of the middle section begins in G minor, employing again the same text in drawing somewhat more obviously at times on the original vocal melody, as does the orchestral accompaniment. The section pauses with a fermata on a dominant chord in C minor, and we get a brief tempo shift to adagio, and the soprano repeats patience, patience, have patience with me. We end up for the moment in A-flat major, but the decapo sign takes us back to E-flat major and the repeat of the first section of the aria. Here's the second part of the middle section, concluding right before the decapo sign sends us back to repeat the first part of the aria. We've heard two very different arias, and we turn now, after a very brief and emotionally neutral recitative with the text, amidst these pains of remorse, this word of comfort comes to me, to another highly contrasting movement based on a chorale. Chorale movements most typically conclude sacred cantatas, but of course, this is no ordinary chorale movement. The melody is sung by a soloist unsupported by four-part vocal harmony, but with a busy, independent orchestral accompaniment, a figuration-based pattern featuring the cello piccolo. Hermann's chorale text translates as, I, your troubled child, cast all my sins that are fixed, so many within me, and frighten me so fiercely into your deep wounds, where I have always found salvation. The reasonably placid melody doesn't initially seem to reflect the intensity expressed by the first part of the text, but as the preparatory recitative suggests, the key lies in the last line of text and the singer's confidence in eventual salvation. Here is the last part of the opening ritinello leading into the first stanza of the chorale. The next recitative employs the text, I lay myself in these wounds as upon the true solid rock. They should be my place of rest. In these I want to soar in faith and content and happy to sing, with a reference to joyful singing, breaking into a long and fairly elaborate melisma in sixteenth notes. Here are the last two lines of the recitative. This exuberance is continued, actually multiplied, in the final movement, written in the style of a jig. The opening ritonello theme, featuring the oboe again, is very idiomatic and actually quite cheerful, and makes it clear that we have very much turned the corner from the somewhat morbid self-recriminations of the earliest movements to a secure confidence in salvation. The text is, How joyful is my heart! since God is reconciled, and through my remorse and sorrow, no longer from salvation or from his heart, shuts me away. The opening nine-measure ritornello theme, featuring the oboe, but shared to some extent with the first violins, bounces along in quarter notes and eighth notes in characteristic six-eight rhythms, with imitation playing a role beginning in the second bar. Here is the ritornello The soloist enters with a slightly simplified version of the ritonello melody, but departs from it somewhat melodically and harmonically by the third measure, to exchange motives with the oboe and to introduce some longer sustained tones. Here is the first part of the aria. The middle part of the De Capo aria, and through my remorse and sorrow, no longer from salvation or from his heart shuts me away, is consistent with the first part in terms of overall tone, although it quickly introduces a new, somewhat repetitive melodic idea, which is immediately repeated up a step as we head toward F major. It proceeds with motives that are certainly similar stylistically to those in the first section, But there's no direct repetition and the middle section does move farther afield tonally, moving on from F major to D minor just a couple of measures later, and then briefly to C minor before heading back to B flat via another sequential repetition. Perhaps the most elaborate phrase in the middle section is the final one, which confirms us in the key of G minor. Here is the middle part of the aria and a little bit of the decapo back to the opening ritonello. <speaking in Spanish> We have certainly traversed a great distance, both musically speaking and in respect to the text, from the grim, almost dire emotional intensity of the early movements to the self-assured, even joyous mood of the last. It's not the only Bach cantata to travel this road, of course. It seems rather to be built into standard Lutheran theology of the time. But there have been few cantatas before or after that have made the emotional contrasts quite so dramatic. We'll move on now to cantata BWV 52, False World, I Do Not Trust You, assumed to have been first performed in Leipzig in November 1726. The librettist is anonymous, but the subject seems to have been inspired by the falseness of the Pharisees as they tried to trick Jesus, as reported in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 15. The cantata begins with a very familiar sinfonia. Exactly why Bach used a presumably earlier version of the first movement of the Brandenburg Concerto No. 1 in F major is a bit of a mystery. It's not as if he had never done anything like this before, appropriate all or part of a concerto movement for a cantata symphonia but this movement in particular is so aggressively cheerful it would seem not to be a good choice given the rather sober-minded subject matter. Julian Mincham has offered up some interesting speculations on this subject, and one of his most telling involves a comment by Tom Hammond Davies, who suggests that the first movement of the concerto represents everything secular, worldly, and full of distraction and diversion, with intimations of the coffee house and even the hunt. In other words, it fully embodies the seductive appeal of the secular life, The exact thing provided by the world which cannot be trusted in respect to achieving salvation. The opening recitative expresses it bluntly False world, I do not trust you. Here I must live among scorpions and among false snakes. Your face, which is always so friendly, is secretly plotting mischief. The melodic flow is jagged and purposely unpleasant, with diminished seventh chords abounding. Although the harmonic vocabulary smooths out somewhat at the reference to your face, which is always so friendly.
1: Dein das noch so friendly.
0: But the music darkens again quickly, and bitter dissonances return, when the text, taken from 2 Samuel, chapter 3, verse 27, continues with, When Joab kisses, then a just Abner must die. Plain dealing is banished from the world. Falsehood, which is given a dramatic leap to a sharp dissonance by Bach, has driven it away now hypocrisy takes its place the best of friends is unfaithful o oh, lamentable condition when The text of the aria that follows, accompanied by Strings, Bassoon, and Continuo, mixes uncertainty with confidence. After all, after all, if I am at once cast out, if the false world is my enemy, Oh, then God still remains my friend, and he will deal honestly with me. There's nothing conflicted about the music that Bach provides for the opening ritonello, twelve bars in length, in D minor and common time. It begins with a powerful motive, which ascends rapidly up the scale in sixteenth notes, only to plunge back down to a half note, the motive immediately echoed by the bass instruments and continuo. This powerful motive recurs three times in the next three measures on different pitch levels, but always unequivocally reaffirming the key of D minor and ending on the dominant in that key. The next four bars take the opening motive and invert it. But tack on a new motive, exploding a favorite dactylic rhythmic figure of Bach's. In this case, an accented eighth note followed by two weak beat sixteenths. As the ritornello proceeds, the first motive I referred to fades somewhat in importance, although it never disappears for long, and the dactylic motive begins to dominate. Here is the rest of the opening ritornello, which ends up back on the tonic of D minor. When the soprano enters with After All, After All, If I Am Once Cast Out, the initial uncertainty shows in her rather sparse opening rhythmic figure. It's dactylic but starting after an eighth rest on the initial sixteenth note weak beats and ending up with an eighth note on the next strong beat. This rather hesitant opening figure is sung twice, the second time a step higher, with similar motives heard in the orchestra to fill up the space in between. The motive returns multiple times with the words after all, but otherwise the soprano makes use of a somewhat more continuous line with a lengthy 16th note melisma on Vertosen or cast out. <laughs>
1: Ich <much> ich verstoßen ich ich hin ich ich
0: after a four-bar orchestral ritornello focusing on the dactylic motive and ending back on D minor, the soprano re-enters with the second part of the text. If the false world is my enemy, oh, then God still remains my friend, and he will deal honestly with me. The melodic ideas are largely new here, based on a more continuous flow of eighth notes at first, including some arpeggiations of diminished chords. The tonality is initially a bit more fluid, but the soprano ends confidently and securely on F major four bars later as the text refers to God dealing honestly with me. That key is continued by the intervening brief returnello, which again draws on familiar motives from the opening. But when the soprano re-enters for the second part of the middle section, the harmonic vocabulary again becomes somewhat strident, and tonality again becomes more fluid, as the text refers to the false world being the enemy. The mostly new melodic ideas here still make references to the familiar dactylic patterns, but also makes use of more broadly constructed phrases, including a rather sweeping, sequentially based, ascending melisma at the mention of Mein Freund, my friend. We do finally manage to settle into G minor before another very brief ritonello section kicks in.
1: Is die falsche Welt mein Feind, so bleibt doch Gott mein Freund, dies red mich mit mir, meint, red mich mit mir, meint. Is die falsche Welt mein Freund, so bleibt doch Gott mein Freund,
0: That's as far as we're going to take this aria, although Bach is certainly not finished at this point. Having arrived in G minor, Bach introduces a new, more elaborate version of the soprano's opening statement in the new key, once again featuring elaborate 16th note melismas on the word verstosen. But then we encounter a DS indication, and G minor gives way to D minor as we repeat the opening ritornello, which brings the aria to a close. The recitative in B-flat major that follows moves quickly through a fairly long text. God is faithful. He cannot, he will not abandon me. If the world and its madness seizes me in its snares, then my help stands beside me. God is faithful. On his friendship I shall build, and my soul, spirit, and mind, and everything that I am, I shall entrust to him. God is faithful. Understandably, it's the reference to the world and its madness seizing me in its snares that first summons up the tension-producing diminished seventh chords and a visit to a minor key. But harmonic and tonal serenity is reclaimed, along with a reassuring little decorative flourish in the continual bass line, as the emphasis shifts to declaring God's faithfulness.
1: Wir schlingen fassen, so steht hier seine Hülle.
0: The second and final aria, in B flat major and 3-4 time, features three oboes, frequently playing in block chords against a bassoon-dominated bass line for the quite distinctive opening ritonello. The opening four note motive, beginning on the fifth of the scale on an upbeat and leaping up a fourth to the tonic note, which is then decorated briefly by a lower neighbor tone, this dominates much of the ritonello. <laughs> The first part of the text is I stay on the side of my dear God. The world can do without me. The soprano's opening four-measure phrase is a confident one, which begins with the ascending leap of a sixth and reaches its high point already by the second bar. A new version of the opening ritonello, again featuring the oboes and bassoon, takes control for four bars, and then the soprano comes back with its opening line of text delivered this time with a new melodic idea a longer, more expansive phrase opening with a sustained tone as the opening two lines of text are repeated. We'll hear that much beginning with the soprano's entrance. after a brief ritornello the soprano re-enters with the next part of the text. God with me and I with God. In this way can I drive out mockery with its false tongues. The new melodic idea is even more broadly conceived than the last, initially built largely on repeated triadic leaps. It also makes use of a somewhat surprisingly lengthy, sequentially based melisma on the word "spot" or mockery. Seemingly, An unlikely word for such a treatment. Meanwhile, the instrumental accompaniment continues to build on the original ritornello motives, especially rhythmically. Here's a little bit of this section at this point in F major a variant of the same idea is now presented in G minor and it develops into an even busier passage while hinting at different tonal centers along the way. Earlier thematic ideas return in varied form, with the constant always being the initial oboe motive that began the entire movement. And it's the oboe and bassoon dominated ritornello that ends up being the last word as the movement comes to a close. Even though this is a solo cantata, it has, unlike the previous cantata, a final chorale movement which involves a four-part chorus. The text by Adam Reusner is, In you have I hoped, Lord, help so that I may not be put to shame, nor derided forever. I pray for this to you. Maintain me in your faithfulness, Lord God. Bach's harmonization is straightforward with only a few minor chromatic touches to enrich the harmony. We're going to stop with these two soprano cantatas, two quite different works, although both perfectly effective in their original context. The first we looked at, BWV 199, is a relatively early work composed when Bach was employed in Weimar around 1714. It's a rather ambitious work with a variety of different movement types and probably designed with a particular singer in mind. The second cantata BWV 52 was probably composed as much as 12 years later in Leipzig, when cantata composition had long ceased to be a novelty for Bach. It's the last of a group of solo cantatas which had been introduced beginning in July of that year. It's more modest in some respects than the first we looked at, although even here some of the writing for the soloist is somewhat demanding from a technical point of view and may even be heard as operatically inspired to some extent. For our next episode, we'll look at some of Bach's trio sonatas.